Welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable podcast, the only show that dares to be both on topic and usually on location. Each time we meet, we bring together a group of IT luminaries to discuss a single concept. In this episode, we're discussing the SSD era, or rather, the end of the SSD era. Before we begin, let's quickly meet who's on the panel today. Hello, uh, my name is uh, Moshe Twito. Uh, I'm the CTO uh, and founder of Plyox. And before Plyox, I worked at Samsung for about uh, eight years. I was the chief scientist there. We developed IPs and technologies for uh, Samsung, um, a portfolio of, of named flash-based uh, solutions from uh, SSDs, disk on keys, etc. I'm Eric Signoretti. I'm, uh, I work for Gigaom as a storage analyst and uh, everything related to cloud and data management. And I'm Chris Evans. I'm a principal analyst at Architecting IT. I also do a lot of blogging online and I just generally write lots of stuff. And I'm your host, Stephen Foskett, organizer of Tech Field Day and publisher of Gestalt IT. And you can find me at sfoskett on most uh, social media networks. And I've been talking about storage for over 20 years now. And in that time that I've been talking about storage, I've seen changes in the era. We, we had the uh, storage array era in the, uh, the 90s. We had uh, you know the hybrid storage arena once Flash came in. Uh, there was a little... Uh, time of, of uh, DRAM-based storage in there too. We had the, uh, the flash era, the all flash era with SSDs taking over almost everywhere. And now it seems like we're going somewhere else. Uh, Moshe, this is kind of your career trajectory. Uh, what do you see as the progression of storage technology over the last few decades? Uh, first, I think for uh, until uh, recently, at least several years ago, um, the, the the main focus was to to increase to have increased the the bandwidth of the storage itself. So uh, this is this uh, RPM was uh, the, uh, sorry the HDDs the hard drive uh, RPM was increased. Then the, the SSDs were introduced as SATA devices. Then they moved closer to the CPU by uh, uh, PCIe based SSDs. Uh, um, Currently, the, the NVMe uh, standard, but um, it seems now that there is a, there is a gap that started to to create it between the processing power of the CPU system and the and the sheer bandwidth that the SSDs can provide. So while the, the SSD the storage keep increasing in, in performance. Um, in, exp in, in exp exponential uh, rate, uh, roughly doubling the, the rate every every three years or so. Um, Moore law seems to not exist anymore, not not to the same extent as it was in uh, previously. Let's say ten years ago, and uh, uh, so. Uh, what we have now, we have the case that the CPU just cannot saturate. The, the SSD bandwidth. And um, so the, it seems that, that a new type of technology is required to, to close this gap. And uh, this is what we try to do at Pyros. I think that in general, it's 
a little bit more complicated than that. I mean, uh, it, all you said is right. I mean, we, we worked for years, the entire industry to make, you know, a better storage to build something that was faster. It was the bottleneck. And we reached the point where now we have a lot of bandwidth, but actually at the same time, we are asking now for capacity. I mean, QLC is the, is the latest example. And QLC is introducing a lot of issues. I mean, all, all the way down to, you know, durability and, uh, you know, slower writing cycles and everything. And because of the density, of course, there are, interaction between the cells that were not supposed to be there a few years back. So it, it's it, this thing that is, you know, changing a little bit now, um, how we deal with storage. I mean, uh, the, the first SSD was, you know, very durable. I mean, I, I remember SLC at the beginning was, you know, good enough. And, and there was this, uh, this, uh, uh, idea of NAND cells versus uh, was it source cells? So th there was this idea of durability that it was well, SLC is good enough. We are talking about one million writes or whatever it was at the time, and now we are talking about one thousand. And still, yes, we have bandwidth, we have everything, but you know everything looks much more complicated. Tiers uh, that were not there a few years ago, so we have. Uh, SLC, MLC, TLC, QLC, and maybe PLC later in uh, in the decade. I don't know. So that that that's something that is you know complicated things a lot. I guess I'd I'd like to take a step back and just think about exactly what problem we're trying to solve. Because on the one hand, you know, over the years we've we've moved through multiple tiers. We've gone through hard drives. We've gone through flash. We put stuff in memory. We've cached. And, and most of the time we're talking about trying to deal with what is generally classed as the working set. So with the, the working set might be in memory, but then there's a, there's a slightly larger working set that is the current and the most active data sitting on disk or on SSD, whatever, whatever it happens to be. Now at that point, you want to be able to get that workload in and out. And you really don't want to be sitting tiering between tiers or having to worry about data not being exactly brought in when you need it. And I wonder really whether actually the problem here is not that we should have the end of the SSD, but whether we should have more of a hybrid approach or we should start looking at all the different types of media within SSDs and start building products that can actually allow us to use those the, that media much more effectively. So Enrico said about capacity, yes, definitely increase capacity, but does it all have to be QLC? Can some of it be a mixture of different types of media? Do we need to go back to hybrid drives? You know, are we, are we looking to solve a problem of moving on to a new type of media or could just we just be more effective with what we've got? If I can, you know, add more to this, I mean, do we have the same needs that we had a few years back? I mean, I, I understand, you know, all the hybrid uh, hard drive thing that we had in, in the past, but actually there are some workloads that really needs this huge data set. I think about AI, for example, and every time you talk with a, with a client with AI needs, they are talking about petabytes and they want to access it, all of it immediately and because they have to feed gpus and things like that uh, that are really expensive so we have you know it's a little bit more complex in time there are a lot of workloads that can deal with this uh, idea of uh, performance and capacity i mean uh, having a, a small active data set but now we also have you know application that really need uh, uh, huge data sets 
So uh, we are past the point of tiering for these workloads, I think. But th that, that's something maybe still niche, but you know, growing uh, quickly in all organizations. Yeah, I think that um, um, one of the things that is, is, let's say, unique or different for SSDs than uh, what you used to have with the HDDs is that there is a very high variety of SSDs type. You have uh, read optimized, write optimized. You have uh, different uh, different endurance numbers, different performance. For HDDs, generally just have one. Uh, let's say almost just one. Uh, uh, metric, which is the capacity. I'm, I'm not. I'm ignoring now the 50,000 uh, RPM or 10,000 RPM that is uh, uh, dead now. Uh, you have just one metric to choose from. Uh, this is the capacity. For SSDs, you have a lot of uh, of different characteristics, and uh, this actually complicates the the. the, the the, the process of choosing the, the correct SSD and on which which type of servers you put which type of SSD. And uh, one one thing that I think is required now is to be able to uh, and I think one one direction that one move in that direction is the ZNS uh, drives that are presented now as in the, the new standard of the NVMe to have a single type of SSDs and let uh, other uh, different layer to, to manage it uh, and customize it according to the requirement of the application. So you don't need to, to invest because the media itself is the expensive part. The, the, the NAND flash itself is the expensive part. And uh, by creating such a high diversity, it complicates the, the process for a lot of customers. So if we are able to just use one or two types of of of, uh, of SSDs and then and then with a different layer manage it, it may have a lot of uh, value for customers. I think that it's important too to consider what we mean by an SSD. I mean, it's not just a a carrier for flash. Uh, I've often said that an SSD is basically just a really small storage array, and I think that that's sort of architecturally what we're looking at here. It's a device that has media, but it also has intelligence and it manages layout and performance. And it does quite a lot of the things that a storage array might do. But the problem with an SSD, in my opinion, is not, well, certainly the media issues that have been brought up are important, but uh, the biggest problem is frankly that SSDs are still pretending to be disk drives. And from an architectural perspective, that's actually not all that useful. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's crazy to me that I go and I buy an NVMe, um, you know, flash uh, SSD, flash drive. I put it in my, my, you know, modern machine with PCI Express and all this. And it shows up in the operating system as if it was a SCSI drive from 1988. Uh, I think that's really, for me, the thing that I'd like to see get rid of. Uh, you know, we, 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 why do we have this anymore even? That's a really interesting um, sort of step forward to what I was saying about hybrid, because rather than thinking about hybrid in terms of being a mixture of the different media types and putting it on a single device, what you're saying is really, we need to move on from the concept of a package which has been built to suit a need and a requirement, perhaps to, to fit a generic requirement in the market. So an SSD or a hard drive, pretty much you put it into a, 
a device and it works in that device generically. It serves all sorts of workloads. It's very, very efficient at being very generic and very suitable to most things, but that doesn't mean it's suitable to everything. So by actually separating the controller logic from the medium, you're suggesting that perhaps what we should be doing is taking a lot more control at a higher level. And in that example, Moshe, I think you, you know, you're sort of implying the flash translation layer should be the bit where you make the decision at the higher level of code with things like ZNS and the various other zone technologies that are coming along. But does that, does that not then suggest that really what all we're looking to, to do is build solutions which have just got tiers of different medium types, media types that we could choose from that could be anything it could be mram it could be obtain it could be dram it could be anything but then the, the techniques to actually achieve anything useful come again back into whatever you might call as a tiering or a placement or a caching algorithm and how are you going to do that in such a degree that it matches the application yeah we need a level of storage intelligence and a sort of a matching of storage to applications and the thing is, I think we're going to get that whether we want it or not, because if you look at what's happening with PMEM, for example, and you look at what's happening with modern uh, web applications and object storage and key value stores, uh, we're already moving past the idea that a uh, one size fits all storage device. Yeah, as, and we saw it happening already. I mean, there are more devices or initiative to take off from the CPU, you know, some of the computational effort. I mean, it, it's becoming really hard to, to deal with uh, these devices. Some of these devices can do million of IOPS and doing all of these operations to decide where to put the data, how to organize it and, and things, any, anything that is about optimi optimizing or even encrypting the data is very challenging now. So this is why there are, you know, solutions now that can offload some of this uh, burden to, you know, to the device itself, or you know, to to something that can deal appropriately with with these kind of uh, challenges. Uh, as as long as, uh, as as long as we keep treating the SSDs as a block device, I think it's uh, almost inevitable that we get this uh, high variety of the different. Uh, uh, products because uh, it is the interface itself is very simple. It allows you to store fixed size blocks with uh, fixed size keys or or uh, LBAs, uh, and dictates uh, uh, certain architecture and behavior. Uh, what, what we noticed is that if you look at a wide variety of applications, starting for databases, either relational. Or, uh, or, or, or no SQL databases, and going through uh, 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 st storage appliances like all um, uh, flash arrays, uh, etc. If you look at the at the lower level, you see that all of those solutions has some sort of key value storage uh, technology. If you look at uh, my, my uh, databases have the storage engine part, which is many times uh, can be represented as a key value. If you take a look at White Tiger for MongoDB or, uh, or uh, RocksDB for, uh, for MyRocks, which is a version of MySQL, even InnoDB can be looked at some way as the, of MySQL can be, can be thought of about some sort of key value. After compression, after you do compare, even if you look at simple simple block uh, uh, systems, 
after compression and the duplication, then the, the media is accessed, the value is variable size because of the compression and the name of the, of the data uh, is, is no longer the, the LBA, but rather a signature of the data itself like we have in the duplication. So one common thing for all those applications uh, is the key value. And, and this is the way that the high level application communicates with the, with the media. And here you have a lot of uh, techniques. You have B-tree, you have LSM tree, uh, you have uh, a log based. You have many types of access in the media, and this is the This is why you, you want to have different placement algorithms and different things to do with uh, for different applications. But if you pro if you go up in the hierarchy and instead providing the block API, you can pr we provide a functional rich key value API, then. Uh, we, we, we can provide one unified interface with high performance and if, uh, high efficiency to all of those uh, solutions. And then the question of different types of SSDs no longer exists because in that case, we just want the simplest SSD that we have, like the ZNS that was mentioned before, the zone namespace, uh, and the placement is already tailored to the specific type of, of storage engine that we implement. The application just uses this key value API uh, instead of going through the software base or, or, or the, I don't want to to go to how to implement it, uh, to go through this uh, engine as part of the application. So is there not a, a risk there then, Moshe, that you know, by using that sort of concept, all you've done is just put another shell around the outside of what is an SSD, and instead of it being called a solid state disk, it's now a solid state key value store. So you you you've sort of you've solved one problem by by taking it and pushing it down to another level another level and that's great because you've taken away some of the complications you might be able to optimize by doing that but ultimately all you've done is just put another shell around it and, and away we go again is there not a need to to be more generic than just key value and to have a degree of functionality you can program into this that says any type of interface I want to do, I need somehow to have the device to be capable of being dynamically modified to take whatever protocol I want to do. And it could be a key value store, it could be a block device, it could be anything. So really should we be moving to solid state? I can't even think of a name, but solid state storage, you know, solid state data instead of solid state disk and solid state key value store. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, if you think key value is, is su such a powerful abstraction, that you can manifest many different, uh, virtually every uh, storage requirement you can you can express as in, in, in a key value language, including block. Of course, block is just a special case of key value. So uh, if you if you have uh, a, a tunable and flexible enough uh, interface, you can, as you said, you can program the behavior of of this uh, layer as you wish. You can optimize it to write uh, to write to reads. Uh, to space, uh, whatever you like, uh, uh, and then use it just as the application requires. Because block is very far from the from the, the the abstraction of block is very far from the region of data, and all of those translation layers that are currently fixed, uh, and as I said before, have different characteristics for different applications. Now, once we once you have this key value, you can program it exactly as you said. You can program it to whatever you like. You have uh, this simple uh, media 
which is very simple, very close to the original, to no, no, no FTL inside, everything is, is block-based, etc. Uh, uh, and, and all the and, and all the programmability is in this intermediate layer uh, that I'm talking about. Yeah, it, I think that one of the points that you're making here that is really interesting, well, for one thing, it is interesting to consider that block really is just a key value store. And it has been for about 30 years since we moved away from physical addressing of media to logical addressing of media. It's essentially been a key value store this whole time, but that's not how we use it. How we use it is as the world's stupidest storage layer. I mean, we, we basically just throw things at it and hope that it can do something appropriate with the data that we put on it. And then we put more value added intelligence on top of that. To me, this sounds a little bit like what we're talking about with uh, computational storage and with uh, some of these uh, disaggregated uh, system architecture concepts in that we are moving not just intelligence, but uh, sort of purpose fit down into the media instead of having it be such a generic store of data. Well, at the moment, I think that uh, all these initiatives, I mean, new protocols, new approaches are, you know, meant to uh, simplify the stack. I mean, as you said, we are accessing data in still in a very, very archaic way. And the, the idea of having an hard drive, even if we have memory uh, behind the scene, it, it doesn't make any sense. So having new system that can, at the same time, you know, act as a legacy component, but it is, you know, provide new APIs, new access methods that, you know, can take real full advantage of the media in the package. That, 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 that's great. And also, you know, I think that more we will uh, enter in this era, if we can enter a new era, more the application will be optimized for it because developers are not used to have, you know, uh, maybe let's call it a specific drive or a specific optimization for an hard drive. Now we can say, okay, we have additional tools. And if we had this, uh, you know, uh, two lines of code or whatever it's needed, we can have 10 times the, the performance. That, that, that's, you know, can really change the economics of uh, uh, current uh, server models. And, uh, uh, and you can, again, access more data more quickly. And, uh, and more efficiently, because there is also this problem of efficiency in most data centers now. So it's not about capacity, it's not about performance, but it's also how can you, you know, fit enough resources in a server to make it, uh, you know, more uh, more dense or, you know, more power efficient from the, uh, yeah, all, all types of efficiency. Yes, uh, I, I totally agree with that. Um, and, uh, and and indeed, once once you, you use the 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 key value API, um, <clears throat> most of the most most of the operations that you want to do from high level are much simpler. Think about implementing a file system instead of over block over key value. It is uh, order from value to simpler. You don't need to deal with all the block allocations. You don't need to deal with uh, with many things that uh, that currently uh, take a lot of effort and congestion and uh, locking and things like that. 
block is, is, is a special case. Um, storage engines, uh, of course, and now you don't, you don't need to go through this layer and, uh, and develop it because currently every type of database develops its own storage engine. Cassandra has its own, uh, MySQL, uh, uh, MongoDB, uh, and every another application requires key value in some way or other. So by having that, you just simplify the life of all the developers uh, of all storage-related applications. I'm interested to see, see how we might think it might simplify some things, and without a doubt, it does. I, you know, some of the things you just said there, Moshe, around the idea of implementing, for example, a file system where you can write the file system much more simply because you're writing key value entries rather than having to deal with blocks. But what does it do for certain areas where um, it might make things more complicated? So, for example, data protection. Today, we might be used to the idea of putting in a dedicated RAID device that would do that um, protection for us if we're putting in physical disks, sorry, not even, I don't know, sorry, we shouldn't call them disks. We need a name for them, don't we? We need to call them solid state media, SSMs then. Um, if we put in solid state media, what do we do about things like data protection? So who does that task now? Are we going to now require that the application does more of that and that becomes a, f a higher level function? Or are we going to put another abstraction layer between our solid state media and the application that offloads some of that functionality too? You know, how far do we go in pushing bits and pieces up and down that stack? Uh, I think this is a great, it's a great question. And uh, what the direction that we took uh, in PyOps is, is not that of key value SSD, let's say like Samsung initiative, but we have a, a storage processor uh, that manages man several SSDs. So, uh, and actually, one of our offering now currently is is uh, is, is data is a uh, disk fail protection, uh, because once you manage uh, eight SSDs, let's say four or eight, twelve SSDs, you can do all the protection uh, that is required from that intermediate layer, uh, and uh, you can control the, the striping of the of the data, the placement, the balancing between these protection and uh, and and more. By having this, this is why I said it, it's an intermediate layer that we implement uh, in hardware and accelerated by hardware. But I, I don't want it has a lot of benefits from a CPU perspective. But the essence is to have this layer because we we because we manage multiple disks. We can also provide data protection, and this is uh, one of, uh, yeah, and we provide data protection, also end-to-end uh, -end protection and uh, protection uh, RAID-like features, protection against uh, disk fields. I, I don't want to be controversial, but isn't that just creating a better RAID controller? Um, you know, at this point, um, is there something that, in, in, in essence, we need to be doing more than just creating another RAID controller that's managing less intelligent disks? Because isn't that what RAID did originally? It gave us a redundant array of effectively inexpensive or, um, you know, dumb disks that we we moved the the brains out of. So, what, what's the difference here between what we did before and what we you think you're doing, for example? So RAID is, is just one aspect. You ask about uh, the ability to provide data protection, and I answer that we provide data protection uh, similar to, to RAID cards, but this is just one aspect. We also provide, have, and, and if you just look at block interface again, so if you look at block, and we provide also block, we expose, beside the key value API, we also provide 
the block API just for uh, bigger compatibility and, and ease of integration and uh, ease of integration. So if you look at the block API and you should, and, and then you can look at that as just another type of, of read, much higher performance, a very low performance degradation in, during rebuild and stuff, very good read, but it, it basically can look at it as, as, a, as a rate card. But we also have the encryption, we have the compression, uh, which is seamless. You don't need to manage the compression. It's, it's not just the compression acceleration, it's the, it's the handling of the compressed data. Uh, and this is just for the block API. Uh, on top of that, we can also have more functionality in the key value API. And then you have key value interface, high performance, uh, and we also protect it protected against uh, disk failures. So RAID is just part of the value that we provide. So are we talking here more as you know, storage accelerator? We, we are seeing graphic accelerators. We are seeing network accelerators now. And this is a storage accelerator. So we are accelerating everything that is you know, close to the CPU to offload you know, uh, some task from the CPU itself so that it's free to do you know, what it's meant to, to do. I mean, doing some compute jobs instead of doing storage networking or whatever else jobs. So is, is this the goal of, of this new architecture approach? I mean, or, or is uh, or, or there is something that I'm missing here? No, I don't think you, you missed anything. The, the, the crux here is indeed storage accelerator. And you accelerate, but you accelerate uh, both traditional block-related um, uh, operations of functions like compression, encryption, uh, erasure coding, uh, thin provisioning, and uh, things like that that we provide in our block API. But also, again, the, the much, much, much stronger API and much more flexible of key value. Uh, but everything eventually is read to storage, and and we and and uh, we, we and I think other solution that will come in this uh, in this area accelerate uh, storage related operation. And I, I treat key value as a storage related because it's so ubiquitous in many applications, and it's very tied to the storage. Currently, it work of a file system of a block, but. It, it is there already. It's not something that we invent. There, there is key value is already very popular, uh, and just by offload it and make it much more efficient, uh, you can provide higher value. I'm going to ask you um, a question, Moshe, because I'm, I'm I'm interested as we've gone through that discussion to think where this might lead, because currently we think of everything as a peripheral that sits at the outside of the central compute and you know Enrico was just talking about that in that scenario and I'm wondering whether if we're saying that we don't need solid state disk and everything is going to turn into say key value or something much more abstract that architectures that connect devices to the memory bus and give us more connectivity directly into the CPU or even into a GPU complex could be part of this discussion. You know, we have to maybe step away from the concept of a peripheral, a separate device that we do block IO to that's on a completely separate bus. So now what we think is we're pushing a lot of this technology closer to the CPU, closer to GPUs and using more generic uh, functional APIs to talk to them. And that's completely changing the architecture of the way we build um, infrastructure in general. 
Yes, uh, I think it's a very interesting direction, and uh, uh, it's it, it quite radical change. And uh, and think, in reality, I think it's best to 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 advance, you know, in small steps, because this industry is very traditional. As you all said, uh, we have architecture of uh, decades ago still prevalent uh, in the storage. So this is this is by the way why we also have the block API. Uh, which is simpler and uh, uh, beside the key value. And actually for our next generation product, we are talking about uh, adding CXL exactly for the purposes that you mentioned, to be able to be part of the memory memory uh, mapping, memory space, and be able to, to fuse our uh, solution into the, the memory, uh, uh, memory space. So uh, to sum up then, uh, let me just ask my guests and, and we'll uh, end with Moshe. Uh, Enrico, are you convinced? Have we reached the end of the SSD era? Well, actually not, but I'm sure that we are uh, reaching the maturity of SSD era. I mean, now that we understand better what we can do and the needs of you know, uh, all the organization that are used this kind of media, now we can design solutions that are more aligned with uh, with this new type of uh, storage. So, and this is why we are seeing, uh, you know, uh, many of these, you know, new approaches surfacing. So that, that's my opinion. Yeah, I think I sort of I agree with Enrico. I don't think we're we're necessarily going to see the end of SSDs, just like we did, never saw the end of tape and we didn't see the end of disk. But what we did see with those technologies is that something came along that could do something better to fit the, the current requirements. And those other mediums sat in the background and, and served a purpose, you know, in their own right still. So I, I do think that we are ready for a change. We need a change. We've got new data types. We've got new architectures internally to make this work. We've got GPUs coming in that are very different to what we would have seen 20 years ago. So there's lots of other technologies coming in that are driving us to need to change. So I think we're definitely on the on the cusp of change. And I would imagine that SSMs or whatever we choose to call them will be something that will definitely fit that market whilst everything else will sort of still be there anyway, just like it's always been. Uh, yes, uh, exactly as GPU uh, didn't uh, eliminate CPUs and the uh, same for uh, TPUs for AI or uh, any other FPGA or any other technology. Uh, as uh, Chris and Rico said, uh, there, is, there is space for, for everything, but uh, currently there is a strong requirement for some sort of storage acceleration to be able to extract more from the from the media, from the media itself that can provide very high performance, but currently a lot of this performance is uh, eaten up by uh, inefficiencies in the stack, uh, and this part uh, call for uh, for new type of uh, devices uh, for architecture with storage accelerators, but con conventional SSDs are here to stay, I think, for uh, for quite a time. Yeah, as for me, uh, I would love to see the end of block storage, but uh, it hasn't happened yet, and I'm not sure it's going to happen uh, this time either. Uh, I mean, as you say, Chris, it's not like we're going to lose it forever completely overnight. 
But at the same time, I'd love to see less emphasis on it, which is what we've been seeing over the years with file-based storage and object-based storage and cloud storage. So I think that we are actually reaching the end of the, the era in which SSD is considered an essential compute element or an element of the stack and is instead just another bit of infrastructure. So to leave it there, uh, thank you very much, everyone, for joining us here for the On-Premise IT Roundtable podcast. I'd like to quickly go around and ask, uh, where can people connect with you and learn more and uh, continue this discussion? Moshe? Um, so uh, we have our website, blogs.com. Uh, my, my email is uh, uh, moshet at blyops.com. So every question, you can put them. Thanks. Chris? Yeah, you can find me at architecting.it, where I write blogs, I write papers, I write all sorts of content, really. Um, but you can find lots of stuff there. You can also find me at Storage Unpacked, where we podcast. And this is the sort of thing we've been talking about recently on some of our recent editions, so well worth having a look there. And if you just want to follow me in general, you can find me at Chris M. Evans on Twitter. Yeah, for me, is even easier because I'm not synonym with an actor, so you can just Google my name and uh, you will find me easily. Or if you're lazy, you can just uh, go to gigaum.com and you will find my profile as an analyst, all my write-ups and the stuff that I do around. And as for me, you can find me at S. Foskett on most social media networks. You can find my writing at gestaltit.com. You can also listen to me on these podcasts every week. Uh, we, every Tuesday, uh, we do a Utilizing AI podcast. And every other Tuesday, we release another episode of the On-Premise IT Roundtable podcast. Also, you can find uh, a weekly analysis of the news. Just go to gestaltit.com on Wednesdays for the Gestalt IT Rundown. So thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed this discussion, I know everybody says this, but it really does help if you subscribe, rate, and review us in iTunes. And please do share this uh, episode with your friends, share it on social media, that sort of thing. This episode was sponsored by PlyOps. This podcast is brought to you by gestaltit.com, your home for IT coverage from across the enterprise. For show notes and more episodes, go to gestaltit.com slash podcast. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.